0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. So I'm really excited to be here today to celebrate the 10th anniversary of CARTA, and I've been charged with talking about human population genetics, but I'm going to focus on evolution and adaptation in Africa. So let me start with what I think are some of the key challenges in human evolutionary genomics research. The first is that we simply need to do a better job characterizing genomic and phenotypic variation in ethnically diverse populations from around the world. We need to understand the evolutionary processes that generate and maintain that variation. We need to better understand, where did modern humans originate in Africa? What was their demographic history? And how did modern humans adapt to changes in environment and diet during human evolution? So let me start with something that we absolutely know, which is that modern humans originated in Africa. These red dots represent the sites of um, fossils of anatomically modern humans, the oldest of which was dated to 300,000 years ago. What we need to know is still we need a better idea of when and where did modern humans originate in Africa because there's a major bias that we're not finding fossils in tropical areas, for example, so this is still an outstanding question. We also think that after modern humans originated in Africa that relatively small numbers migrated out of Africa within the past 100,000 years, giving rise to populations across the globe. But what we need to know were things like how many migrations were there. So, for example, could there have been um, a southern migration route into South Asia and Australo-Melanesia, in addition to a northern route? And what were the source populations in Africa? Now, as you just heard from Anne, we think we know now, it's pretty certain I would say, that after modern humans left Africa, they intermixed or interbred with archaic populations like Neanderthals and Denisovans. But a big outstanding question is: Was there admixture with archaic populations in Africa? My own research, and that of some other teams, suggest that there was. But because we, again, we don't have those fossils that are preserved well, we don't have uh, ancient DNA, so it's a very tricky question to address at this point. This is from a paper perspective we just published. I think came out about two days ago in Cell. And it's pointing out that there's a major European bias in human genomic studies. So uh, the figure on the right here uh, is showing the number of individuals by ethnicity included in genome-wide association studies that look for an association with variable traits or disease. It's in your glossary if you want to look. Um, And almost 80% are Europeans. The numbers for uh, Hispanics is 1%, Africans 2% bit more Asian representatives, about 10%, and then everybody else, less than 1%. So this is problematic for a number of reasons. One is in terms of um, biomedical knowledge, that it could exasperate health disparities. But secondly, in terms of what we can learn about human evolutionary history. So to help alleviate those disparities, myself and my African collaborators have been doing field work in Africa for the past 18 or so years. We're collecting biological samples from blood, DNA, and RNA and plasma. And we're getting detailed ethnographic information, information about diet. Then we have the challenge of processing these in areas where there's no electricity. So what you could see on the bottom left here is that we now bring a generator with us. We just set up this uh, bush lab. And we try to measure phenotypic diversity, including very detailed anthropometric traits like height and weight and limb length and skin pigmentation. We look at cardiovascular, lung, and blood phenotypes. We look at metabolic function, lactose tolerance, glucose tolerance, and infectious disease status when we can. So this is from a study that we published a number of years ago looking at genome-wide variation over 3,000 Africans from 121 ethnic groups. But it remains one of the largest studies of ethnically diverse populations in Africa. What we know is that you can see these different colors. These are genetically inferred um, ancestral populations. So all the colors are telling you there is a lot of genetic diversity between African populations. They also have the highest levels of genetic diversity within populations compared to the rest of the world. And that's just representing their demographic history and adaptation to different environments. This is a new study coming out soon in genome biology, um, consisting of a whole genome sequencing in 94 individuals from um, 44 African populations. And from this, we can make a phylogenetic tree. So we can look at how populations are related to each other based on uh, genetic similarities. And what I could say that we know for certain, and all, all other studies have shown this, actually, that the San populations, who traditionally have practiced hunting and gathering, and they speak with cliques, and they live in southern Africa, they have the oldest genetic lineages in the world, followed by the rainforest uh, hunter-gatherers in central Africa, commonly referred to as pygmies. We've also used computational approaches to try to estimate when these populations diverge from each other. and We know that the oldest divergence is between the San and all other populations, but we see that populations in Africa have been subdivided for a long time. So for example, even two San populations that speak slightly different languages have been diverged for about 30,000 years. However, we need to develop better models that take into account really complex demographic histories that include things like migration and gene flow and divergence. This is from another uh, review paper that we published a couple of years ago showing examples of local adaptation One that you may be familiar, I think there was some mention of it earlier, is um, lactose tolerance, which we showed evolved independently in uh, East African pastoralists relative to uh, Europeans. And as you heard Anne say, actually a real challenge is to understand molecular mechanisms of human adaptation, particularly for complex traits that are caused by multiple genes. So I'm going to give you an example, a recent example, of our study of uh, the genetics of skin color, which is thought to be an adaptive trait, and is caused by, influenced by multiple genes. So on the left is inferred melanin levels, so melanin is the pigment in skin that makes it darker, and from global populations, and we could see it's very correlated with UV levels, so it's thought this is an adaptive trait. And it's thought that when modern humans left Africa and they migrated to higher latitudes, there would have been selection for lighter skin to facilitate the production of vitamin D, which is synthesized in the skin in response to UV. And in places closer to the equator, there would have been selection for darker skin to prevent cancer, skin cancer, and also folate degradation. Folate's very important for development. But most studies have been done in European populations and little is known about the genetics of skin color in African populations. So to alleviate this bias, um, we inferred skin color by using a machine, a spectrophotometer, where we basically shine light underneath the arms, so that's an area that's not exposed so much to sunlight. And we look at the um, reflection, the wavelengths, of the um, light that's reflected, and from that we can infer the melanin levels. And what we find is the San, who have the oldest genetic lineages, are the most lightly pigmented people in Africa. We see a wide range of skin color, with the most darkly pigmented being the nilotic pastoralists, who originated from southern Sudan. We then looked at over 4 million variable sites across the genome, and we did a genome-wide association study, and we found eight independent Loci or regions, um, variants associated with skin color that are in four major regions at a genome-wide level of significance. So I'm just going to go through those quickly. So the top association is at a gene called SLC24A5. And this was actually the very first gene that was identified to be associated with light skin in Europeans. There's a non-synonymous variant in this gene. And in these figures, the... um, Circles that are light colored are showing the frequency of the variants associated with light skin color, or that blue, I should say, are are those that are associated with light skin color. And we can see that this is at almost 100% frequency in Europeans, very common in uh, Pakistan and India, and also in East Africa. So one of the questions we had is, well, did this arise independently in Africa? And one of the ways we can address that is to make something called a haplotype network. So a haplotype is simply how different variants are arranged along a short region of a chromosome. And um, these circles represent uh, different haplotypes. The size of the circle represents the number and the colors represent proportion in different populations. And it's sort of a phylogenetic reconstruction because these um, haplotypes are very different. They have a lot of different mutations, for example, from this haplotype. So what we see is that that this non-synonymous variant is on one common long haplotype in Europeans, consistent with recent strong selection. But East Africans have this variant on exactly the same haplotype background. So that means it had to have been introduced by migration back into Africa. The second um, strongest association was at a gene called MFSD12 that had never previously been characterized. We found two independent associations. One is in a regulatory region upstream of the gene MFSD12 that is influencing expression of the gene. And the other are variants within the gene that we actually think are playing uh, a role in expression as well. And what we could see is that for the variant in the regulatory region upstream, the variant associated with light skin is at nearly 100% frequency in Europeans, East Asians, and it's very common in uh, East Africans, and actually in the San as well. So we collaborated with Bill Paven at NIH, and he used CRISPR-Cas9 technology to knock this gene out in the mouse, and it had a pretty dramatic effect. So it caused this sort of brown-yellow agouti mouse to lose the, um, it became gray. So basically what we find is that africans have lower levels of this and darker skin and then has the opposite effect on theomelanin which causes more uh, yellow colored skin. We can then estimate the age of these different mutations. This is again just like a phylogeny and lineages that have the light allele are shown with open circles and those with the dark allele are shown here. In this case, the ancestral allele is the one associated with light skin color, and the ages of both alleles are very old, on the order of a million years. The next locus where we saw an association was at DDB1. This plays a critical role in DNA mismatch repair in response to UV. So if people have mutations in the proteins that this um, interacts with, they have a disease called xeroderma pigmentosum. They can't be exposed to sunlight at all because they'll get skin cancer. Now, what does that have to do with color in humans? We don't know, but this happens to be the gene that causes the color of tomatoes. (laughs) So it has something to do with pigmentation. Again, we see two independent associations of this gene. When you look at the haplotype network, we're also seeing evidence of a very strong selective sweep outside of Africa. This is one really common long haplotype. And in fact, if you look at the gene genealogy, all of the lineages outside of Africa with the light associated allele, they coalesce at around 60,000 years ago, the time of migration of modern humans out of Africa. So when that light allele was introduced, it swept to almost 100% frequency for reasons we don't know. And then the last region is OCA2 HERC2, variants in HERC2 were known to be associated with skin color and eye color in Europeans, but we found an independent association And we showed that they influence the expression of the OCA2 gene. But we also found a variant within OCA2, uh, within exon 10, which is a synonymous variant. It doesn't cause an amino acid change. But it was in a region that has been known to um, have mutations that cause albinism. And it turns out that the variant that is associated with light scan has alternative splicing. A part of the protein basically is missing. (laughs) That plays a very critical role. There's still a protein, but it has a very altered function. And in this case, we see evidence for balancing selection, that different lineages have been maintained for a long time. So what does this tell us about the origins of skin color? Well, I want to point out that at half of the uh, loci, the variants that we found, the ancestral allele is the light-associated allele. Furthermore, most of these are older than the origin of modern humans, so this poor chimp lost its lots hair due to a, a skin disorder, but has relatively light skin, although I did see some images earlier of darkly pigmented chimps. I don't know. will have to discuss that later. But anthropologists have argued that this would have been the ancestral state and that when modern humans left the trees and went into the savannah, there would have been selection for decrease in body hair and increase in sweat glands for thermoregulation, and then there would have been selection for darker skin. But we've shown that both dark and light alleles, variants have been around for a long time, so we don't know exactly how darkly pigmented they were. And the last point I'll show is another outstanding question has been, what accounts for the dark skin color in South Asians and Australo-Melanesians. At the regions we studied, we found that they had the identical variants that we found in Africans, suggesting they were introduced by migration. But it's still an outstanding question whether they have other variants that play a role. So how do we proceed in the future? We need to include more ethnically diverse uh, populations in studies of genomic and phenotypic variation. We need better computational approaches to infer complex demographic histories and um, targets, identify targets of natural selection, particularly for complex traits. And we need better functional genomic approaches to identify causal genetic variants that are influencing these traits. And I will just stop by thanking everybody who contributed.